Hey gang, welcome to episode 138 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm Noah Nelson, coming to you from No Pro headquarters in the magical land of Los Angeles. This week on the show, Aaron and Austin Keeling, two-thirds of E3W Productions, are here to talk about their new show, Bitter at the End. Actually, they're just going to talk about that just a, a, a tiny bit. We're mostly going to talk about uh, how they got into Immersive and their first show, In Another Room, which was one of the surprise debuts of last year. And indeed, one of my favorite things last year, like just straight up, like even beyond Immersive, one of my favorite things. More on that in a moment. First things first. I keep on threatening that uh, we're going to do this giant campaign here for the Patreon and uh, it has arrived. It is coming. Um, it is here. This is the beginning of it. So um, on Monday, we're going to start this process with you. We need your help. Um, the goal for the month is to double everything. We currently stand at 132 backers and we have $782 coming in a month. We want to double that. 264 backers, $1,564 by the end of the month. Is that crazy since it's taken us two years to get this far to double it? Oh, it's crazy. All right. Are kind of crazy. Um, I know a lot of you probably tune out to this part of the show. I know that I would. <laughs> um, but let me lay this out for you. We probably can't keep doing this indefinitely unless we do it full time. And right now, there's just not enough shows out there with the capacity for lots of people in order to create the environment where ads would really work. And indeed, if you follow media, ads are dying. Subscription is everything. Consider this your subscription to the lifeline <laughs> on immersive everything. Um, we at NoPro um, have our fingers in a lot of pies. It's true. NoProsinium.com, this podcast, the newsletters. Indeed, I am the admin. Uh, of everything immersive, the Facebook group, and uh, that that takes some attention as well. By the end of this year, I want this to be my full time job. Uh, by the end of this year, I'd really love it if it was both my and someone else's full time job to run and work on NoPro. That would be amazing. I'd also like to be able to have a travel fund, a serious travel fund for our freelancers, uh, so that we can send them on assignment or if not order them, then when they say, hey, there's this thing I want to go, we can just say, yes, we've got the money for that. That means in the long run, we're looking to have a budget of at least $15,000 a month. Now, are we going to get there based all on the, the backing of um, our thousand true fans? Once we have our thousand true fans, um, and a true fan is different from a fan, but we won't get into that philosophy at the moment. Um, no, we're gonna. There's gonna be other things that we need to do. So if you're interested in underwriting No Pro, uh, email me Noah at NoProsinium.com. I'm open to the discussion. Uh, there, there will be different ways of presenting it. Um, there, there may be ads, as it were, on the show. We like to think of it as underwriting because I come from a public media background. But again, to be blunt, um, a year from now, if this isn't the full-time gig, um, the mantle will probably have to pass on to someone else. Um, I'm, that doesn't mean I'm stepping, will step away from no pro. I don't know why I've made this dire. I recorded an earlier version of it and it was all too hot on the microphone. And uh, now I guess that's made me slightly melancholy, but I just want to be realistic here. Um, it's time for no pro to go pro. Uh, and you are an integral part of that. Your mission this week, if you choose to accept it, is quite simple. Week one is going to be about the reach. On Monday, we're starting the campaign and we're going hard. 
and we want to increase our social media reach. So we're asking folks to share the website and share, if you're on Facebook, share the Facebook page. We want to get more people tuned in on the regular. Uh, Share the podcast. Tell a friend. The most effective thing we've ever had is people telling a friend. Hey, this is something that I love. Or you know that crazy stuff I'm doing all the time? This is how I find out about it. If everyone who engaged with NoPro told just one person, that would double our audience, right? Duh. Uh, but it would have a massive effect because I know how many people are engaged with NoPro right now. And, and there's been a great deal of expansion in just a few months. So this is the time for us to do this properly. Here's the other part of it. If you are listening to this it probably means you're a regular listener to the show. I know this. Just just trust me. I've got the data. Um, I need you to jump in at the $1 level on the Patreon because we need to demonstrate the loyalty of the audience, the passion of the audience. And the easiest way to do that is to say, look at how many people are crazy enough to spend money on this. That helps as we make the case all over the board. When we're booking interviews, when we're talking to folks, hopefully about underwriting, and just generally when people are sniffing around and asking, hey, is this really a thing? Is immersive really a thing? If we can show 200, 300, 400 people, 500 people, 1,000 people, ah, backing a newsletter and a podcast about this stuff, oh yeah, people will believe because it will be real. We know it's real. This is a way to demonstrate that it's real. Now, like I said, I'm not going to stop hitting you up for money if you join at the $1 level, but at the $1 level, you are doing us an amazing favor. And I thank you for that. And you get your name read on the show. So two things for this week, right? Tell a friend which translates into spread the contact information on social media. And if you have not joined the Patreon, please join at the $1 level. Um, It will mean so much in terms of us making the case for NoPro as being legit. Because this is the year that NoPro goes pro. Because we have to. We have no choice. Unless somehow I win the lottery, in which case I'll just do this for free forever. Do not send me lottery tickets. And no, I will not use the money to buy lottery tickets. I'm not that stupid. That's what my personal paycheck is for. All right. Let's do one last bit of business, which is about the Patreon campaign. Yeah. How do I join the Patreon? Patreon.com slash no percentium. That's how, my friend. And we do need to thank our latest backers. That would be Winthorne, thank you, Jaden, Sylvie Bryant, Dustin Freeman, and Laura Pose, all of whom jumped in in this last week. Um, thank you so much. And I look forward to um, talking with you at some point down the line. And indeed, I look forward to engaging with everyone who is a backer on the show. Engaging like I'm a robot. Our sustaining backers, as always, are Ross Sigworth, Bradley Smith, Yan Budman, Arthur Tubman, Ari Herstan, and Lonnie Hanson. Thank you, gentlemen. We're going to need a lot more like you to make it through here. Now, on with the show. Aaron and Austin Keeling, two-thirds of E3W Productions. Um, man, I, I, here's, here's the good news. Here's the great news. There are 50 tickets left to Bitter at the End. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you were bummed that you missed In Another Room, Here's your chance to check out what this company does. They do good work. I haven't seen a lick of Bitter at the End yet, but I am very excited. I am, I'm not amped. I'm not amped about anything these days, um, sadly. Um, But I also, the show is about grief. So it's like, I'm so stoked to do something about loss. Um, So there's there's that. But, uh, But they do such beautiful work. And after this conversation, I'm even more intrigued and I'm very excited. So without further ado, on with the show.
Aaron and Austin Keeling of E3W Productions. Two-thirds of E3W Productions. And uh, thank you for coming here to NoPro Headquarters, a.k.a. my kitchen table. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Um, tell the folks out there a little bit about your production company, for starters, and your missing member. Because Natalie's not here right she's now. She's not. Yeah, she's feeling sick. Um, so Austin and Natalie and I met each other in middle school in Kansas. And Wait, we... you met your twin brother in oh, middle uh, school? I guess Austin and I met Natalie. <laughs> here it goes. I like, just the yeah, spoiler, I wasn't going to make a big deal of it or say, like, you know, you might get confused. because like, not exactly the fucking same. Yeah. Yeah, not entirely. There's a, li- there's a little tiny difference. Just enough if you've, if you've talked to you guys enough. But, like, maybe not enough for the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, spoilers. Um, you may get lost. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> this is great. This is fantastic. We, we are twins. Yeah. <laughs> is that known? Yeah. Yeah, we're twins. And we met Natalie in the sixth grade. And I'm, we... I'm really wish I had my binor- um, binaural yes, micro. Oh now. my god, right? you, yeah, just be in the left hand. Yeah, it'd be so much easier. On the right hand. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so you met Natalie. Yeah, and then we've just been kind of like weird best friends ever since. And so we started, actually, Austin and I went to film school, and mm-hmm. that was kind of always our plan was we wanted to make movies together. Um, and right after we graduated film school, we went back to Kansas, met up with Natalie, and made a horror film. And it was like super fun, super cool, but... Uh, we kind of hit like a, a, a roadblock after that where nothing was coming to us creatively in mm. in film. Um, and then we discovered the world of immersive theater and just completely fell down the rabbit hole. And like a year into us going to shows, we kind of were like, well, why don't we try this? Because we hadn't created anything in three years. Oh, wow. And so we... We're kind of like, we have no idea what we're doing. We've never done theater. We don't, you know, we have no idea what to do. And we just went for it. And uh, yeah, our first show was absolutely the most creative, fulfilling thing we've ever done. It was like, it was just a complete rejuvenation. So yeah, I think we're going to stick around here for a while. Trying to focus on this for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And for the record, that show was in another room, Mm -hmm. which was definitely one of the surprise delights of last year here in Los Angeles. Cool. Thank you. So, um... And and I and I don't say mildly like like probably the best debut I've seen out of out of anybody. Oh, thank just, you, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, no, it was it was shocking. I was like I was like what the hell? Because <laughs> you know I you, I get pitched all the time. And I was like oh it's some folks. I was like okay they're just a, okay they're out of film school. Oh, okay like they're oh, they're fans of the work. Okay. Oh it's at their house. Oh great that's an apartment. Is <laughs> right. gonna be oh, right. here we go. Fine. Oh how the parking in this neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> Revenge guys, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really hard here too. Yeah, um, and, but no, like absolutely, just surprising and shocking, and and a high bar for yourselves too. So, yeah. so like, what? Tell talk to me about the the idea for that show mm-hmm. for in another room and, and and how it came about and then and yeah we'll start there. yeah for sure we uh aaron was having like almost a meltdown <laughs> he was like we're never gonna do anything again and we had seen all these shows that we liked in los angeles he had like seen what? uh so we saw like delusion we saw the first couple chapters of the kansas collection um what else you saw a couple things. I saw Sleep No More. That was what started it. I was in yeah, New York. And I saw Sleep No More. That. And then I, I saw The Rope. Um, I did The Tension Experience. Uh, we were basically just kind of in a point where we were finding everything we could. And, just, and so Aaron was like, uh, he went down to see my parents one weekend. And me and Natalie were at home. Like, we got to get ourselves out of this funk. And I was just like, wait a second. Like, look at these rooms in our apartment right now. We love ghost stories. This is set up perfectly with a central room that you can come in and we could do something on a relatively small scale where each room is its own separate story. And we, we just pitched it to Aaron. We were like, hey, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do an immersive show. And, and I then, think it was less than four months later. Oh my God. That we opened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We just... We threw ourselves into it, yeah. A whole hog to the point where you were living on the set because it was your apartment and you built the whole thing out. 
Yeah. yeah, and so that was really tricky because, I mean, every room we painted walls, we wallpapered, we took out all of our furniture, and luckily we have an attic where we live, so it started by us clearing out every room except for the kitchen and putting it all up in the attic, and then we just brought completely new and pieces in. And we lived just in the kitchen, basically, <laughs> yeah. for a month. And I mean, was, I think our show started at like 6 o'clock, and it was during the summer, so it was still light out mm -hmm. for the first show and a half, and so we had to black out all of our windows, and <gasps> so for the entire, what, two months, two months that we were doing you know rehearsals and then doing the show we lived in perpetual darkness oh it was God. just and no we sunlight cat. we have a cat and he did not like it <laughs> it, was, it was very very upsetting to him so. yeah every night during the show um because i was outside checking people in mm -hmm. and we have a minivan and so we set up his like litter box and some food and water for him and toys in the van and we called it the sam van his name is sam and i would just in between shows go sit with him in the minivan <laughs> for like an hour it was a really wild experience <laughs> yeah and, and one you probably won't dare to replicate again. Um, oh my gosh. Certainly yeah. not in our apartment. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. never. That was like a one and done. You know, we did the thing and, and now I'm glad that we have our apartment back. Yeah. yeah. So what what clicked about working in this form? What was what was it that, that got you hooked? So you mentioned you started off, Sleep No More started you down the road as it starts many people. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that Sleep No More, what happened to me in that show, which I'm, I'm sure a lot of people yeah. have this experience, but it, I knew what I was walking into. I, I, you know, had, I read the synopsis, whatever I knew what it was, and I knew it was going to be a very unique experience, but I was taken into a one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. um, and it was like, it felt like my world cracked open. It was just like there was this entire other world out there that I was just now realizing existed. And it was just one of these kind of anything is possible uh, things that came into my mind. Definitely that. like, And especially in the writing of that first show, it, screenwriting for a feature film feels like there are so many rules and expectations built into that process. Mm. And like what you're allowed to do seems kind of limited. And this, it was just so freeing. It was like, we can literally write anything we want and we'll just we'll just go with it so yeah. it, was, it was very freeing it was a very like just creative anything is possible well let's talk about process a little bit so did you start with the script or did you start, I mean like the idea clearly was like oh we've got these different rooms we can do different things in the different rooms you know, chicken and egg here. Was it the writing? Was it devising? What was your method? I, I think it was very much devising. We knew that we liked the idea of having these kind of self-contained ghost stories, and we liked the idea of playing around with different time periods. And so we assigned a time period to each room, and then the writing came after. And, and also, similarly, we assigned, like, this room will be a bedroom, this room will be a dining room, this room will have a tent in it. And we filled in the details from that, from that place, basically. Mm. Yeah, it was... Oh gosh, like thinking back on how we wrote that, it was crazy. But I mean, yeah, that's one of the things. I mean, the what was also kind of cool about that was that um, we were rewriting scenes, you know, a couple of days before we opened. There was like this central kind of scene where some of the, the rooms kind of collide in with each other. And that had a total rewrite like two days oh, before wow. um so yeah it was it was just one of those things i mean film you can obviously do so much and there's there's obviously money that's required in anything that you do right. um but this was working on a kind of smaller scale than film and it felt like we didn't have to ask permission to do it uh which was really yeah. cool it was like you know for all these films that we had been trying to get off the ground we were like wow how are we going to find someone to back this how are we going to find the resources to do this but this was kind of you know it, it, we never had that question we never had the question of like is someone going to okay this we're like we're just gonna okay it and then do it and we had to okay it with our landlord <laughs> <laughs> he was not very happy but yeah, yeah. There's, there's always there's always somebody who has to be <laughs> yeah. um so let's go back to that idea of of rules and 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 freedom creatively because um, one of the things that's interesting about the strictures of screenplay is is that it, as much as it's a logic puzzle, if you will, mm -hmm. there's also sort of an emotional rhythm to screenplays, right? And that's why the logic puzzle exists. Like it's like there's there's this expectation. It's so much uh, a sonnet. How did you find? Because one of the things that's, that was so effective about that first piece of yours was how the emotional impact. How did you find the emotional arc? to to you know get people to where they get at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. That was something that I think that you know working on a film before it was something that we we kind of tried pulling a little bit of that that mm. you know emotional 
mm-hmm. beat to it. But for for this, what was really cool was that we were writing individual stories that each was kind of a small arc in and of itself, and and not really thinking big picture at the start. We mm. were we were we were just focusing on. On, on the room itself. And what was really fun was afterwards stepping back and looking at the pieces that we had and finding a way to tie them together thematically. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the process for this one. We were writing short stories basically and then we were going back and editing after the fact to tie them together into kind of this this bigger this bigger message. And which... adding the beginning and the end things to get you into the world and then to lead you out of the world and kind of tie up the whole narrative. Even mm-hmm. though these things, these stories were happening at different times, they were existing thematically in the same realm and making sure that was as strong as it could be. Yeah. No, you said this one, you meant in another room, yeah. not the... Yeah. Not, oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, in another room, yeah. Um, so you got, so you, you did it and then you got the bug and now it's less than a year later, and you're you're coming back around for a second trip. We are, yeah. and uh, we we knew we knew making it while we were making it. We had such a fun time making it that we knew it was only a matter of time before we did another one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we expected it to happen so quickly. Uh, we went to the immersive design summit in January, and um, it was kind of leaving that that really decided. We, we decided, okay, let's just jump in. Um, so we did. It we we hadn't had a single word written for our second show. Um, come what was it, January 9th? And, oh, wow. and today is the end of February, and uh, the show opens in like just over two weeks. So Duh. it's been a two month. It's, <laughs> it's been, been a wild. It's been a wild months. two months. But um, but yeah, it was just one of those being around so many immersive people and so many inspiring immersive people. It was it was just like let's do it again. Let's do it again. And we we set a date. We set March fifteenth, and we were like we'll just we'll make it work. So, yeah. and I think that's the thing too that was so inspiring about the summit was was what is. The only thing holding us back was ourselves. It was like, oh, we could wait for a while and and give us time to percolate and come up with something. But in another room happened so spontaneously. And coming out of the summit being like, we have the capacity to create something. So why not spend our time doing that? Mm. Um, I mean, like, sure, I miss all the time. I can take baths and read books, you know, but (laughs) but like, I'll get that after the show's up, you know? Yeah, Uh. Yeah, no, I I know know exactly what you mean in terms of that. well, well, what is what is it that um, what is it that's, that's driving it forward? Um, I mean, the the summit is part of it, but it was this an idea you guys had while you were working on in another room? Like, there was sort of something on the shelf that you're like. Oh, yeah, maybe this. Yeah, I think that actually, um, while we were in the writing process for In Another Room, we started to develop a couple new ideas. And this was one of the very first ones. And it was more this this next piece uh, that we're doing. It was it, it started more as kind of a framework, just a, um, a structural idea. Mm. And um, it, we, we'd been talking about it over Christmas, Thanksgiving time, just kind of, you know, relaxing after In Another Room, but talking about it. And, and uh, it was definitely the one that we were most initially excited about we have several ideas that we want to do in the future but this one was it, it felt like the right and then we one. found a location and, and um it, it that's like 90 percent of it exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we found the location and we were like wow we could do any number of things in it but this was the show that seemed to fit best for that space and having that space and guaranteeing that we'd be able to use it was like okay let's go let's do it so yeah, I don't know. Like, why did we choose this one? But here we are. Here we are. <laughs> here we are. Get excited. So what? What's the process like between the three of you? Who does? Who does what? Is I mean, maybe it's a little bit of everything, but like, who who holds what vision? Where? It's really interesting because for in another room, um, Natalie and I came up with the original concept. Then we, the three of us, workshopped the whole thing in terms of just like hashing out ideas, doing some uh, guidelines and breakdowns and. Uh, what is that? Structures. I'm looking for a word. Yeah. Outlines. There we go. <laughs> My brain is fried. Um, but Aaron actually did most of the writing for In Another Room. Uh, whereas this time around, we did the same thing. We came up with a concept. We worked it out together. And then I've done most of the writing for this show. Um, so it just changes. It's like this is only our second thing 
so it's I feel like it's always going to be different. Um, with in another room, we pulled our, our friend Patrick. He came down from Seattle for two weeks to help us with the art direction of the show. Um, he has Which since stunning. Yeah, 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 and he was great. And he has since moved to Los Angeles and has convenient. Yeah, become <laughs> kind of part. So when we were actually like hashing out the idea of the mm. of the show, he was involved in, in that stage. Well, for people who saw that show, that's that's good news because that <laughs> the the set design there was fantastic. Yeah, like it, was, it really was a. It's total surprise walking, particularly walking into the first room and just being like, what have Mm -hmm. I gotten into? This is insane. Um, Was that similar to the way you worked your your film? Like, how did did that film? Yeah, I think... I think so. Like with the film, it was a lot of a lot of just the three of us talking and kind of just writing down ideas for scenes and skeleton structures and whatnot. And then we'd break off and write separately. Uh, but the, what was interesting about that was that even though we had uh, an entire crew to make that film, it was a very small production, and the three of us kind of had our hands in everything. Mm-hmm. And and so that has been a very natural continuation in this, where it's just the three of us and Patrick for the most part, the four of us putting this entire show together. We don't have a, another you know, crew. There's a couple of people who come in to help with specific things like sound, but it's kind of the four of us doing everything. So it's it's really exciting and really fun to be able to, to, to work with every aspect of it, but it's also, you know, no bath time or reading time. <laughs> <laughs> Talk another part of, of craft here. Your actors. You had yeah, such yeah. an amazing cast the first time through. How did you find them? How did you... But maybe for the actors who listen, how did you audition them? Mm-hmm. That's that's something that keeps on coming up these days is like the immersive audition. Mm-hmm. So like, what's the process there? And that was really... I mean, it was something we had no idea what how right. to do it either. You like, know? no one does. Yeah. So many things. Yeah. And so I think that like what worked for us was um, we most most of our cast was people we just cold auditioned from like backstage.com and um, uh, what's the other one? LA, LA Casting. A few of them were people we had worked with before and one or two were recommendations but the majority of them were people we had never met before we sent the script out and we found that when they came in to audition even though we had described what this idea of immersive theater was most of them couldn't wrap their minds around it and Mm. so I think the audition process what really worked was it was you know they read you know they read the sides we workshopped it but it was more just a conversation about Mm. the craft and about the piece and how it was all going to work and what would be kind of expected the and the challenges, yeah. yeah. And and so it was just like we we worked with the people who who understood it and who clicked, who, who clicked wanted, who it. were game to take that on. And yeah. how did you know that they clicked, right? Because it couldn't just be like, oh, I get it. Someone saying it is yeah. the same as being able to I think, do it. I think that it's it was easier to determine someone who clicked when you saw someone who didn't click. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, okay, this is not. <laughs> yeah, that's, but it's one of those intuition things. And again. This we got so lucky within another room. Like like we felt that we could have a, a gauge on whether these people would be a good fit for it or not. But for the most part, I mean, we had never directed immersive types of things either. So we were just basing it on our experience with film directing. So it was amazing that it worked out as well as it did. Um, and I think it might not always happen that way. No, it will. Yeah. It will. <laughs> yeah. But it was like so cool that it just... They're just an amazing group of people. It was just so fun to work with them. And it was just so fun to... we Austin and I did some things where we would like... We'd get the scene down, you know really well and then we'd be like we're gonna come in and be terrible audience members now mm-hmm. and so Austin and I would just walk through it and like you know cause a ruckus and and talk back and move things and just you know to test them and to play with them and see you know how, prepare them for anything and then luckily we didn't have any terrible audience members yeah, yeah. so but yeah it was also nice because um, in film in our experience with film at least there's there's rarely a lot of time for rehearsals um, you get some time and then a lot of it is just in the takes yeah. but we had a pretty I mean it was a month booked straight of just every day we would be working on the production design and then at night we would have multiple rehearsals every evening and it was really fun to just like work in the scene with the actors for such an extended amount of time and we lived in the space so it was really easy at that time too <laughs> the commute time was pretty yeah, it was yeah, very, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so it was nice it was nice and it felt like by the time we got the whole thing put together we were also comfortable with it, and we were also ready to. It was a very well-oiled machine. Yeah, by the time we did our yeah. press night, yeah, which yeah. is so nice. What do you feel like you learned on the first piece that's carrying over into the new work? Uh, I think that 
most of the lessons we learned were um, kind of more on the the technical side of things, mm. on what we can do. The biggest lesson I learned is this beautiful, beautiful sound system that we used. Oh, we had a, a guy Q come Lab, in, right? Q Lab, man. Mm. I learned about that, and oh, like that's wow. it's just like it was kind of this idea when we were walking into in another room that it was like. Uh, you know, anything is possible, but can we pull it all off? And and I think that just going through the experience and having such a positive experience, we've taken that with us that we're not afraid so much anymore. It's kind of like, you know, we're dreaming big and not trying to, like, you know, cut back. And also, I think I think one of the biggest things that we've learned, um, my stress level on this, this show is, is f- still there, obviously, but it's far less extreme and crippling. And I think it's sort of the the acceptance that things will always change and we will run into things we'll have to cut and we will run into issues. We had to recast two of the roles for In Another Room during production. I mean, during like when the show was up, we had to find mm. a replacement for an actress to come in that, that weekend. And, oh, wow. and it was at the time, it was like, oh, the world's over. There's no way we can move past this. And it worked. It was fine. And so coming into this one, it's more about just going a little easier and, and feeling enjoying the moment while we're making it and knowing that no matter what happens, we'll be able to figure it out. I think that's that's the good takeaway. Yeah, for sure. You had mentioned that you were doing production design all day and then rehearsing the actors at night. How are you balancing jobs? Yeah, so Aaron, <laughs> I was really totally unemployed at the time. <laughs> I was like, that's why I was going insane. And I was so thankful that they decided to like just spring this on me and be like, let's make a show because I was losing my mind. I was just like oh, doing God. nothing. Yeah, being in LA and not having a job yeah. is the worst it's, thing. It was and, terrible. And then you wind up getting overemployed. And it's also the worst thing. So And so it was nice because Aaron stayed home. <laughs> Did all of the stuff during the day. Me and Natalie would go to work. Patrick was in Seattle. So we would just meet up when we could. Um, this time around, Aaron has a job. Um, I didn't quit. I took a break from my job to work on this. But in the meantime, Patrick has also stopped his job. Aaron is taking a break as well. We're all like, help, help, there's a month to do this. So we're going <laughs> to... What's really cool is that the job that Austin and I, we work at the same place now. And they're very... Mm. We're like permalance. And so they're very, very lenient about us taking time off. So Also, you can just swap glasses. Yeah. Exactly. Like they don't know. I know. It's, it's great. Super easy. Oh, it's great. We really should take advantage of this I, more often. You know, I like I said before we started, I'm super disappointed. You didn't like, get another pair of glasses and just like come into the IDS. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. It's me, Austin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the struggle because who knows? You know, like this, we've set the the date. It's happening. The show's happening. But like, what we do afterwards, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll have to feeling, find jobs again. Feeling good. Feeling good. Well, the permalance thing. But like, are you are you sniffing? Around? I mean, are people sniffing around? Like, has there been impact from in another room that goes beyond just people saw the show and loved it? Has there been anything? You know, I, right after In Another Room, there was a little bit. We we met with some really awesome people um, who just, you know, believed in the show and believed in us. And it, it's kind of, it was a, it was a kind of, it felt like a networking opportunity where mm-hmm. we, we met all these people who now I feel like we can reach out to to ask for help in certain situations. We haven't needed that for this show yet, but um, no, I, it's interesting because tickets are on sale right now and we are selling more than twice the amount of tickets that we had available for mm-hmm. In Another Room. And, uh, yeah, it's been a humbling experience, I think, because we walked into selling tickets a little bit with big heads, being like, we sold out in three days last time, you know, everyone pretty much liked it, like, we're going to sell out again, and we haven't sold out yet, which... You know, I totally understand because it's expensive and it's also there's a ton of tickets. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, and and the fact that like the last time, you know, only so many people got to see the show, right? right? Like this right. is this is the perpetual problem we have with the forum is like we want everyone to like see it and then there's only so much capacity and yeah. so then someone doubles the capacity and it's like yeah and like everyone who saw the last one they'll be down and like then everyone's got to tell a friend yeah exactly right? and exactly. that's the thing yeah so it's that's a big learning experience too just like how much reach is naturally within this realm of interest in in LA and then how much we have to like rely on others to help us get there so it's it's a process we're learning about it right now we'll, we'll see how it goes you know? so like how many tickets total were available for there this are program? there are 225 tickets okay. available yeah and, and we were there was only 130 for in another room yeah, so it's about so it's, more. yeah it's yeah. not quite double but yeah 
Um, yeah. So I mean, we're selling very well. We're very happy. But um, but happier. But so <laughs> guys, it's gonna be a great show. Yeah. Well, it's also like I think there there was something about last year where like everything sold out in like ten minutes. Like when anything new, anything new is just instantly. And now there's I think there's been enough times where people are like, oh, that wasn't really my thing, and they, they jumped mm-hmm. in blind. So now people are, it's sort of the more natural thing for any kind of, you know, any theater side of things. It's like, oh, well, I'll, I'll see how it actually winds up being. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I suspect, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm hoping for something really cool from you guys, and I, I'm sh- I, I doubt you will wind up not having a, a sell-through by the time it's all I, I think that we, yeah. we, we we're, yeah. We It'll be nice too, yeah, once we get people in. I mean, it, it's so helpful because of everyone who saw it in another room, they were like, wow, this was so cool. Tickets were sold out already. So yeah. it'll be nice if we're not sold out by the time the show opens, there will be tickets available so people can tell their friends. and Yeah. Yeah. Which is the more sane, normal way yeah. that things happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like even like Sleep No More, like you know, didn't have like that. But that's the thing; those things kind of grow out, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like we know, we kind of know how many people are in what I call the vanguard, like the hardcore fans of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we we almost know all of them by name, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and to if, if a show doesn't have the capacity beyond that, then like those are the folks who see it. But as soon as a show has capacity beyond it, it's like, all, oh, you're you're headed into places no one knows. Mm-hmm. But we keep on seeing the space grow. We keep on seeing that that the fan base for all this kind of work mm-hmm. get bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger, like Which every, is, every couple months. That's really awesome. Yeah, it's really awesome to see that. How, did you take advantage of IDS to like invite some of the people? from LA who you would meet there to like come to the show? Oh, or? at that time we were still unsure if it was going to happen. It was just... Or have you connected with enough folks that you've been able to do it now? Or? <sighs> oh my gosh, maybe we should that's do that. That's a great that. idea. That's why you come over to the house. Let's so, do it. You know. Oh, that's a great there's idea. That, there's that list, you know. Yeah. Oh, like, there's, there's that list, man. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that list. We yeah. have not given ourselves enough time to think. <laughs> the list is up. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm hitting that list tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Drop, ready. drop, drop into the drop into the idea slack, yeah. or you know, oh, for let's, sure. let's all know. So, um, that's one of the challenges I think of 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 being like we're earlier. We're like, oh, it's so fun having your hand in all the pots or whatever. But that you know, sometimes we're like, well, we should really focus on getting more people to buy tickets, <laughs> but we also have to paint and wallpaper all these walls, yeah. you know. And so, yeah, what is it? The old. Uh, Flying the plane while building it, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, oh, yeah. like just dangerous as hell. What um, what are you enjoying playing with in the form right now? Like I don't, I, it's, it's it's always awkward to like. To, it would be a lot easier just to like talk after the last mm. one than before the next one because mm-hmm. the last thing I want to do is spoil the for show sure. for myself. For sure. But uh, yeah, like what what is it about the form and all that freedom? What do you what do you find yourself being drawn to? I think I think what is so interesting to me about immersive theater is that it's like uh, Sarah, the keynote speaker, that first speaker. Mm-hmm. Her name was Sarah, right? Sarah Thatcher. Yes, Thatcher. I was going to say Thatcher, but then I was like, what if I'm making that up? <laughs> uh, Sarah Thatcher, she's talking about the elephant and that idea of like, oh, we're doing one thing and it's the trunk and we're doing another thing. I find that so fascinating that even just within the theater realm of it, like not VR, not ASR, whatever, AX, I don't know. AXR. AXR. Yeah, ARX, yeah. So many letters. Even just in like the performance and experiencing of a written play, there are so many different versions of how to digest and present that Mm. type of thing. So it's fun because In Another Room um, was pretty straightforward in in the the audience comes in, they sit, they watch the show, it happens to everyone. this it's fun to just try to play around and sort of push boundaries for ourselves to try mm. new things um, and see how many different new things we can fit within the oh. show so that it's uh, somewhat familiar, but also there's some new stuff going on. Because we don't want to just repeat in another right. room. We want to try to... Yeah. I mean, a remount of it in another room somewhere oh, would be fine. That is yeah. the dream. Yeah. 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 Uh, we would dream. love that. But yeah. Yeah. but yeah, for this, it's just like, yeah, this is a different show. It's a totally different vibe. So making sure that we're learning from it so making sure that we're trying things we had never tried before making sure that um it's offering an interesting array of sort of experiences within the experience that's kind of what we're playing with right now Mm -hmm. yeah what has been inspiring in terms of the work you've seen over the past couple of years 
Like who, I, we are, we are suckers for production design, uh, <laughs> and so like I remember going to Delusion, and it what was that? It was 2016. It was the yeah, the last yeah, one, 2016, the vampire yeah. one. It was, that was our first experience with Delusion, but like mine too. That yeah. experience of going into a house and it being completely transformed was—I don't know—it was for me that was it I still really, burned in my brain. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, can see, I can, I can see those rooms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and like yeah. oh my god, that down at the bottom, the crypt. I don't know if everyone saw that because I know you were taken away but there was like a crypt that opened up and this like mummy thing sat up out of it I was just it was just there was so much detail and so much atmosphere in that space and it really felt like you were walking into another world and that's what we love most about immersive theater when it's like a location that has completely been transformed I was gonna say I uh when I first realized that I liked immersive theater it was like whoa wait a second this has been my interest for as long as I've known. I just didn't know it yet because Disneyland. We yep. love Disneyland. And I always, every time I would go with someone to Disneyland, I'd tell them, like, look at the lighting. Look at the sets. Like, look how amazing Check this is. Giant and I never used grass. the word immersive because I wasn't thinking on that wavelength yet. I was just like, wow, the lighting is so good. You feel transported. This is what it's all about. Who cares about the rides? It's about what the rides look like on the, you know. So it's just like so cool where it's like, wow, this is that. Oh yeah, you know? sometimes I would like just be able to like stay in the yeah. queue area. Yeah. Like like who yeah, who cares about Indiana Jones? Yeah, the ride. The ride sucks and it's always broken. Is so <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. They used to have there when it opened, they would give out um, like a translation for all the hieroglyphs, yeah. the cards. I, I heard about that online, yeah. so I was like, I wanna look. Yeah, I think you'd probably find like I bet you, there must be a printout one online. I'm sure someone in I mean I'll I'll just Google it afterwards, we'll find out. Yeah. Like when I go back next year, if they open Star Wars Land, maybe I'll do that. I'll hang out in the line. Oh. But that's that thing, fast pass. Because oh, now I'm going like, because then you go fast pass to get on the ride. But like, you want to be in the queue yeah, so you yeah. can like look at the stuff and like kind of absorb it. Uh, oh, it's so great. Yeah. And and I I had always loved that, and I just didn't realize that you could translate that to this space too. You know, obviously it's on a different right. level, but it's so exciting to just like find yourself in a totally new space. Well, know? it's it's an acknowledgement that, like, space tells us a story, mm-hmm. right? You know, like, you can learn... I mean, and anyone... A, a set designer knows this inherently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what's fun about the immersive form of it is that you can really get aggro about telling a story just with, with the space alone. And then there's that other part of the art, you know, the art, the performance side of it, where the human connection factor just can go through the roof if you get the right combination of people. So you get this amazing thing of being able to have a space that aggressively tells a story and like gets people gets people's minds working at pulling the threads together. And then you add in you know someone who's like really really present and suddenly you're creating a peak experience mm-hmm. for someone. Like they're they're they find themselves with everything operating at top of the form. Yeah. yeah. And that's such an amazing thing that that this exists. I just love that this is the world we live in, and that this is a thing we can do. Yeah, it's so cool. No, but there's. I mean, seriously, we've seen so many, so many shows that that have been complete. I think that the show that probably has inspired me the most, and this is weird because it doesn't have, it didn't have a lot of like production design done to the space, but it was um, the Johnny Cycle Part 3. Yeah. Mm, um, yeah. And we hadn't seen Parts 1 and 2. Oh, wow. Um, and so... But that was also our first time. In, we hadn't gone to Wicked Lit or anything. That was our first time in, in that mausoleum. The mausoleum. Oh, that mausoleum is insane. And so yeah. I think that yeah. was yeah. a big part of it. Like, whoa, this... Yeah, but that was like, I mean, it was like the combination of an incredible space that you're telling a story in, but then also just like, I think that their ensemble, their actors are just like incredible. Oh yeah. They're incredible. And like being, being taken by the hand by one of them and led down like this mausoleum wall. I was just like, I lost my mind in that piece. It was great. And that was one of the things too, that that's, that's on a smaller scale than things like Sleep No More or even the Speakeasy. Like... But it's possible. That was a really, really like heartening thing for us mm. because it was like, wow, you can make things that are this impactful and this grand in scale, but on a in a smaller space. And I remember scale. that was one of the. Um, I went to the bathroom during that show, and I think it was Genevieve was like leading the people who needed to use the restroom, mm-hmm. and some other audience member was asking like, oh my god, this is incredible! Like, how long have you guys been working on this? And if I recall correctly, she said something along the lines of, "We only had four weeks to rehearse," and so like I had just had this like mind blowing experience, and to think that it was done so quickly, and yeah. so and and it was the same thing with um the nest talking to Jarrett afterwards, 
and how that was just you know their you know backyard mm-hmm. and they just decided to go for it it was like those it's those kind of things that we took and we're like well yeah let, that inspires let's us it. let's do it let's do it yeah it'll be fun uh to see what happens when you guys get to have as much time as you want to play in oh. the toys so. <laughs> and all yeah. the money wouldn't that be nice <laughs> all the money so if we all pool together I think the lottos are on 293 yeah. so. oh. uh, <laughs> let's do it so we'll, we'll, we'll find a way forward so Get somebody somewhere is, is sitting on a bunch of cash. Yeah, that they're just looking to give to some weird, weird people. Now they got a money bin we can rob. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're coming for you, Scrooge McDuck. Um, all right, so this is actually a fantastic opportunity uh, because when this airs, you guys might not be sold out yet. Mm-hmm. So for folks who want to uh, give the to their their yeah English third language, <laughs> English. let me say it in my original Wookiee. <laughs> It's very clear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what that translates to <laughs> for you, sad mortals, humans, is um, mortals. What am I saying? Um, <laughs> humans. Uh, yeah, yeah, what yeah. that translates to is the new show is bitter at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you tell us a bit about this show without destroying it for me? But yes. to. For sure, and um, yeah, it's it's. I don't want to give a lot away because there are some surprises in it. But the uh, what we feel comfortable telling you is that it's set at a wake, and as an audience member, you are coming to the wake and you are joining uh, the recently deceased's seven closest loved ones, and each one of them is loosely based on one of the seven deadly sins. Mm. Um, and that's that's where that's where the show starts. The show starts at the wake. And it's, you've all gathered to share your con, your memories and celebrate the life of this woman who's passed away, Grace. Um, and where the night goes from there, you gotta come see. <laughs> so how do they uh, how do they connect with you guys so they can come see? Uh, so we are on Instagram. Our handle is at E3W Productions, and we post lots of stuff there. Um, we're selling tickets at bitterattheend.brownpapertickets.com. So check if you that just out. Google Bitter, Google at, bitter the end, at the End right? E3W, it'll pop up. And so will the backstage listing. So don't look for that. <laughs> don't read that. Although it's humorous enough, you just reminded me of, I'll, I'll mention afterwards, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot to do that. Uh, I'll, I'll explain that. <laughs> always, 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 the way my brain works, it's just all over the place. Uh, um, anything else that it's, you guys want it's to? It's an intimate show. It's sad. It's very sad. Uh, come prepared to be sad, but it's. Um, I think it's going to be pretty exciting, and it is. It is different than in another room, but it's definitely pulling from the things that we we liked the most about that show, and just trying to build on top of it. So, it opens March fifteenth. It's going to be running Thursday through Sunday for those two weekends. Um, right. So yeah, get on it. Just two weekends. All right, definitely jump on it. Aaron and Austin, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you, for having us. It was fun. Once again, I want to thank Aaron and Austin for being our guests on the show today. You can find E3W Productions on Instagram. You can also get the links in the show notes. Uh, and you can find Bitter at the End, as I mentioned, on brown paper tickets if you search for Bitter at the End. And like I said at the top of the show, about 50 tickets left as of this recording. Uh, I would encourage you, uh, if you are going on the strength of this episode, go to the first weekend. All right? Because you know how it goes, like first weekend, and then there's buzz, and then like, yeah. I suppose if everyone goes on, buys all the tickets up for the second weekend, um, then there's 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 no there's no room for buzz. The buzz effect. We want there to be buzz. We want to increase the capacity because everybody wins when a show is good and people like the show and the show's able to sell more tickets and get more people onboarded and we get more immersive fans and everybody eats. Oh my goodness, everybody eats. It's amazing. It's so important to survival. Um, hey, 
No more begging for money right now. Uh, I want to direct you, however, to the website. We have a little bit of a renaissance going on. Uh, the winter doldrums are over. KJ's been writing a lot about VR. Catherine's weighed in with a review. Uh, Michelle Snyder, Shelley, over in London, has been rocking as the Vaults Festival uh, unfolds, and she keeps on going to shows for us. Uh, we've got people writing in, looking to, to help out with reviews all over the place, and I am so excited that we get to to bring you all this wonderful stuff. And indeed, like I mentioned, we have surprises for you next month. We're changing some stuff. We're opening up new vistas. And, uh, oh boy, can't wait. Uh, I don't want to jinx anything by making a promise that I can't keep. So I'm going to just make something for you and give it to you and say surprise. Um, yeah. Oh, the things we're going to do. Um, I went to Candidopia last night uh hell of a time to be on a diet when they're just trying to hand you free candy and indeed at one point there was chocolate involved um because like you know like sugar candy and i like man whatever but chocolate oh chocolate um you can tell that was real uh candytopia has uh has had a hard time uh manifesting itself but i will tell you I am glad it's here. Uh, you can check out my personal Instagram at are you that guy? Oh yeah, I got an old school handle, man. Um, A R E Y O U. We'll re-Instagram some of the stuff on the Noper Instagram. The Noper Instagram of which is sort of like the social media heartbeat. Like if you like pictures and you like immersive and you like Instagram, you should follow no underscore proscenium. Catherine is our lead over there and she does an amazing job. And, um, uh, mostly it's it's a lot of stuff from like everybody else in the world so just just it is it is a operational networking point for immersive uh so you might put a couple of my pictures in there uh but um yeah it's just there's just some moments of pure bliss at candidopia um i may be i may be thawing on the uh the selfie palace um as as an idea and indeed i'm going to write up my notes on it um with the disclosure that like my housemate actually works for the people who built all the stuff, uh, which I didn't even know <laughs> until like it got announced and was coming through. And we were like, what is this? And she was like, oh yeah, like I'm working for that. And I'm like, what? Why didn't you tell me this thing was going on? Um, this is the thing people, you gotta tell me what's up, man. Um, but yeah, it's out in Santa Monica. Uh, and, um, and I'm so glad it exists here in the Southland. Uh, for a minute there, it looks like we weren't going to get it. Uh, so yeah, there's there's tons more. Um, we're we're overdue for several different forms of chats. Uh, there will be, if not an after dark, then something like an after dark uh, sometime this month. Uh, so you look forward to that. Look forward to everything we can get for you. All right, here we go. Here comes the credits. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The managing editor of NoPersinium.com is Catherine Yu. The Los Angeles coordinator is Anthony Robinson. The San Francisco coordinator is Jessica Lacanal, whose last name I probably just butchered and I'm going to owe an apology. Um, maybe I got it right. I said it very fast, so I didn't screw it up. Um, and uh, that's that's a new thing I'm going to try and keep on doing. Um, the uh, the insane person is me, and our sustaining backers are Ross Sigworth, Bradley Smith, Ian Budman, Arthur Tubman, Ari Herstan, and Lonnie Hansen. I'm Noah Nelson. This has been the No Persinium Podcast. Until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs> <laughs>